Hey y'all, this is Sam. And this is Steven. And this is Crimology. This is episode 34. Um, we are rocking and rolling. And um, Steven has started his second podcast. Um, he's not leaving us. He's just adding to his portfolio. Um, what was that word? Portfolio. Okay. Um, and... <laughs> um, so yeah, fun, exciting things that are happening in our lives. Well, I guess Stephen's life, nothing's happening in my life. Um, Nothing in, in this world of your life. Right. Other worlds of your life. Anyways. <laughs> um, so yeah, 34. I last, last week I messed up and I said 23 when it was 33 because it doesn't feel like we've done over 30 of these episodes, which is wild to think of. Um. So thank you guys for continuing to come listen and supporting us. Um, our Instagram growers or our Instagram growers are growing by the day. Our Instagram followers are growing by the day. Um, and so it's just cool. Again, I've said before to just see the numbers. It's fun to do this and we do it even if it was just our moms who listened. Um, but it's cool to be able to see numbers. And so thank you guys for continuing to show those numbers. So, with all that being said, let's just go ahead and jump into this week's episode. So, this week, we're talking about the Loomis Fargo robbery. So, I start every episode with talking about how I come across this case, and I don't have a cool story this week. Um, I know Stephen really likes bank high stories, and so I was trying to look for different kinds of cases for him, and so I just did a random Google search. And this case in particular came up, but I didn't know until we just sat down that this is a movie (laughs) that I had no idea, Um, even through all the research and stuff. So Steven says it's hilarious. It's Masterminds. It's it's a dumb, stupid, you know, comedy, like... It's very if if you've ever seen the movie book, Kevin Zach Galifianakis is the main character in this, and everything that he does, it's just like it's way overdone. I mean, the actors and the actress in this movie, I could just tell it would. I mean, I could tell it's a ten out of ten just because of who's in the movie. But I'm surprised that I've never heard of this before. So we'll have to add it to the. Yeah, it's only got a five point eight on IMDb. <laughs> But apparently me and IMDb don't always agree because, I mean, it's it's one of those stupid movies, but man, I mean, you can you can get a good cook, kick out of it every every couple, you know, you get some good laughs going every once in a while in this movie too. So, so after this case, after you listen to this episode, go watch the movie because that's what I will be doing. Um, This week we're talking about the Loomis Fargo robbery. And this happened in Charlotte, North Carolina on October 4th, 1997, where $17.3 million was stolen. And at this time, this was the second largest cash robbery to happen in the U.S. So this crime was committed by David Gatt, Kelly Campbell, Stephen Chambers, and his wife, Michelle, along with four others. So at the time... David was emplo- was an employee at the Loomis Fargo Bank, and Kelly used to work there also, and so that is how those two know each other. David also had a major crush on Kelly and ultimately thought that they would get married to each other 
even though at this time they were both married to other people. And then Kelly went to high school with Stephen, so that's how that connection was made. So the original plan was for David to commit the crime, then leave to Mexico, while, while leaving a big chunk of the money there with Stephen and Kelly, who then would send David money whenever he needed it. So he would stay in, in Mexico until everything cooled down, and then he would come back, and then the money would do, be split up between everyone. So now my first opinion on this case is, if I'm robbing this bank, there's no way I'm leaving the money in someone else's hand while I just run away. So the fact that David is just going to do all of this work and just trust Kelly and Steve to send him money when he, like that's a whole lot of trust going into this plan. Yeah, and and part of it too is I'm going to be referencing a lot to the movie. It's like he is like legitimately head over heels for Kelly. Right. Like, like he's right. just like like oh hey, would you go run, you know, I mean obviously rob a bank or you know Kelly and he's like yes yeah sure anything anything for you right so let's talk about the actual day of the robbery and the plans that they had so 6 p.m david sends an employee home for the day that he was training and then he starts loading the money into the back of a company car he then meets with kelly steve and michelle and those four others and he moves money to multiple different vehicles. So we have to remember that this is a lot of money. And in an article I read, this much money could have weighed over 2,000 pounds. So that's why it needed to go in multiple vehicles. And that's why multiple people were involved. And that's basically the weight of a pretty good-sized like car. I watched a movie... Uh, the other day where like this was a situation where they stole all of this money and they were like we can't put it all in the plane because it weighs too much and I was like I never would have thought money weighs you know like and so this fact I'd have been like yeah let's just stick it all in the van like I know you just that's just something I wouldn't have thought of so over 2,000 pounds is wild well and that's also partially too why in this you know for these armored trucks like why they're Big. Why they look the way they do? Yeah, and, well, I mean, yeah, because you've got not only do you have all the armor around it, you've got the big, you know, diesel engine, right? So that way you can, you know, haul, haul around all this money. So, but yeah. So David himself took fifty thousand dollars and left for Mexico, and at this time, that was the max amount that someone could bring over the border without further authorization from anyone. I just thought that was funny. And the part in this movie is absolutely hilarious. Like, he's, like, shoving, like, 10 grand, like, in just, like, different parts of his body. You know, like, you know, $1,000 just, like, stuffing it, like, in one pocket, like, in his jacket pocket. And then, like, one, like, it's, it's, he shoves money everywhere. I just, I, it was wild that $50,000 is the max. Other than that, they're like, okay. Some fishy is happening here. Yeah, that's really surprising to me. And, you know, of course, everything obviously has changed since 1997. Right. But, like, just to think about, like, you you can legitimately carry 50 grand. Like, who even does that now? Like, if I see you with, like, you know, like, five grand, I'm like, okay, something's up even with that oh, now, too. Yeah. So, I can't even imagine carrying 50 grand around. Right. So pretty much everything goes according to their plan. So 
The next morning, though, the bank employees, they can't open the bank vault, so they called the police. Well, the police turned around and they called the FBI because most of the money there belonged to banks, which made this robbery a federal offense. So David was a suspect right off the bat. First off, obviously, because he was the employee there at the time. And since now he's in Mexico, he was the only employee not accounted for the next morning. Also because they see David moving the money into the van on their security systems. So. And once again, this part of the movie, I, I'm telling you, I'm just going to be just kind of just re- redoing the right. movie. So you don't even need to watch it after this. Um, like they, they show him, like he walks in and like he tries to, you know, of course this is back on VCRs. And so like he tries to like, you know, stop the recording or whatever, but like he pushes the wrong button or right. something or other and it just keeps on going think and this whole time thinking that he you know got away or you know stopped the recording of it right so two days later the van david loaded the money the money into is found and there's 3.3 million dollars inside of it it's later found out that the group didn't realize how much money this was actually going to be that they took So they didn't have room to look around this extra cash, so they just left it behind. They also found David's abandoned truck with his wedding ring inside, so people took this as a sign that he was leaving his wife to hopefully get with Kelly. The idea that Kelly could have been involved with this case was made pretty quickly because people knew how David felt about Kelly. So during this time, Kelly was being watched. Tips were also being called into the FBI to watch Steve and Michelle's behavior, so now all three of them are being watched by the FBI. Also around this time is when the FBI recorded a phone call between David and Steve, and this is officially what linked Steve and Michelle to this case. They also learned that Kelly had been planning to have David killed in Mexico by a hitman, which is not surprising to me whatsoever. Nope, not at all. So the group basically ended up giving themselves away in the end because of how they spent their money. So at first, they decided to control their spending for a year or two. Steve, however, did not believe the FBI would ever connect him with David, so he didn't follow the rules. Steve and Michelle moved from their mobile home to a luxury house in a wealthy area, They bought a new BMW and just made some outrageous, expensive purchases. Kelly went and bought a Toyota minivan, but paid for it in two cash payments. So it was almost like she was like trying to hide her money by saying like, I'm going to get a minivan. But then she ruined it by first off paying in cash and paying in two payments. So I I think really her main thing was like, if she wouldn't have made it in two payments, like even if she would have done it in like even if you spaced out, like you know? four or five, like I think she still would have been clear. But, um, but yeah, with 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 Steve and Michelle, I mean, in the movie, it's just like they go from this like right. rinky dink little trailer park to this huge. I mean, it's probably you know like a six thousand square foot plus mansion and all these fancy cars. They have all these you know these fancy parties and all sorts of stuff at their house and it's that they really seem like that they belong right 
in that style. But then again, it's one of those they don't, you know, something seems off about that. Right. And then it makes you think, like, if they didn't go that route, could they have gotten away with it? So, it, like, if you would have gone, w- gone with your original plan, it probably would have worked out for you. Another tip to the FBI was that Michelle would make frequent small deposits to the bank until one day she walks in and she asks the teller, how much can I deposit before you have to report it to the feds? But she made sure to follow it up and to let the teller know that it wasn't drug money. The bank went ahead and they filed a suspicious activity report anyways. Goodness. I, I, you know, Sam, next time you go take money to the bank, ask him that. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, don't worry. It's Excuse not drug me. money. How, how much How much can I deposit before I get in trouble? Right. It's But it's not drug money, it's I promise. It's not drug money, so don't worry. They're like, yeah, okay. I mean, that one just, that has to be like just the ultimate just killer to this one. They're just like, um, how much can I deposit before the feds? But don't worry. But don't worry. It's not drug money. <laughs> it's robbed bank money. Right. So all of this is happening in Mexico. David was spending a lot of his money, too. He's staying at luxury hotels. He's eating expensive food. And he's doing all kinds of activities. He's scuba diving. He's parasailing. He's living his best life. So he ends up running out of his money. And he reaches out to Steve. And Steve sends him $8,000. So you're going from $50,000 now to $8,000. So David has to change his lifestyle over there to make sure that money goes far. So it's one of those situations that I just find it ironic that even though David went down there with a ridiculous amount of money, he's now being sent over a little bit. So now he's having to live the lifestyle of like lay low while everybody is over here like living their best life. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely how it's perceived in the movie too. He's like, you know they're all living their their best life in America, and then he's like halfway slumming it down in Mexico. Right. Of like, oh, I mean, like you know, like like you said, he's still you know eating at nice places and stuff, but he's just like, you really got to dial it back from your right. fifty thousand. Oh yeah. So someone at a restaurant pointed out that David kind of looked like the guy who robbed that bank. So this caused him to change his appearance while he was over there too. So this is just more evidence that he's literally doing his part of the plan but nobody else is. So after FBI traced David's phone in Mexico, they arrested him on March 1st, 1998. The next day, Steve, Michelle, and Kelly were also arrested along with those four others. And then on March 12th, these eight were charged with bank larceny and money laundering because of how they spent the money. So, to me, this is pretty wild, you know, because there's cases that we've talked about in the past of, like, where, you know, they go on for many, many months, if not years, before they get captured. Right. And this one is just literally from October to March. Yeah. That's, I mean, I mean obviously, they had a lot more evidence in this one. Right. Of like, okay, yeah, here. Here's the security. <laughs> here's our camera. guy. Yeah. And then, so, uh, and then, I mean, really, they, I mean, they got a lot of good tips, and... This case was pretty much solved as soon as it started. Right, yep. So, nine relatives or friends were also charged with money laundering, 
because they co-signed for a safe deposit box used to store some of the money. So prosecutors said that these nine people needed to be charged because they just should have known that the money was obtained illegally. Um, so because the prosecutor said this, four others were also charged with money laundering. See, that's kind of surprising to me that, like, I mean, I guess it depends on how much cash it was. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, you know what I mean, though? Right. I'm thinking if you're coming, if you're coming to me with more than 5,000, I'm like, okay, like, I'm first off joking. I'm going to be like, this ain't drug money, huh? But like, I'm asking questions. I'm like, what are you you've got to be doing something behind my back to get that kind of money so i'm like i'm asking questions yeah and 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 that's kind of my thought too of like now like if it was like hey sam i've got three grand okay, i'm like okay okay yeah sure and uh, i mean i guess especially like, now because you've got like yeah sure um i'll buy you a computer there you go <laughs> um but i mean hey because you've got i mean like now you've got like lottery like scratch off tickets right. like you've got many many more ways now that you can make larger amounts of money quicker True. than what you probably could back in the late 90s i don't know i was like three um but that's kind of what i mean that's kind of where my head is on this one of like you know unless it was just like an outrageous sum of like oh hey here's 10 grand can you sign off co-sign on the safety deposit box with me like that's the only thing that i can right. really think of that's like immediate red flag. Um, I mean, but so but yeah, that's obviously I, I don't know. not I'm, others. <laughs> yeah. So David ended up receiving seven years in prison. Kelly received seven years in prison. Michelle received seven years and eight months because she violated her bond conditions, and then Steve received eleven years and three months. So now for everybody else who was charged with money laundering. They all received sentences ranging from just probation um, to Steve, who was sentenced with the longest amount of time. They were all, I say they all, Steve, Michelle, Kelly, and David were all made to pay back some amount of money between 4 and $4.3 million each. Um, I was trying to figure out like how much each person was made to pay but it was never a clear answer. But I know like four to four point three million each they were made uh pay back. So Steve was the last to get out of prison and he got out in November of two thousand and six and he now calls himself a changed man. Well, eleven years in prison, I'd, I'd probably say the same thing right. too. Right. Just to make you feel better. So I I obviously didn't know about this movie. And I was pretty proud of myself when I found this case. I find it so hard to find, like, bank robbery cases, um, really just because there's one big one that's on Netflix right now. And so that's the only one that I ever find. And I don't want to do that one right now. Um, so I was really proud of my f when I found this one. And then I got here and Steven was like, oh, yeah, I know that one. And I was like, the one I was, that I thought you weren't going to know. I, I was reading through the names. I was like, wait, these names kind of sound familiar. And then I was like, wait a minute. This is a movie. It's like, dang it. The one case you knew. The, you can't get these bank robberies past me. Um, that's, you know, like any of the like the Oceans movies. Oh, yes. Like, I love those. Um. There's the one, and I, I can't even think of what it's called now, but it's a, 
It's one up in Boston where they they rob they they rob the banks. I'm like, that's one of my favorite movies. Uh, of course, the one I worked so hard to find, and he's like, oh yeah, I know this one, Victory. <laughs> But anyways, uh, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back with Stephen's Corner. <laughs> okay, weird name to call that. <laughs> All right, we are back with what I'm na- name- nicknaming Stephen's Corner. This is- I hate that name, number one. <laughs> This is Steven's Crime of the Week. Um, if you were here for season one, we did Florida Man. And so this is pretty much kind of along the same lines, just we're not limiting ourselves to Florida. I'm going outside of the realm of Florida. There we go. And so uh, this is Steven's Time to Shine. So this is one, I think I actually, I, have a, I might actually have a story if I remember it correctly on this one. Um, I think I actually saw this one. This either came up one or two ways. It came up on Twitter, like in the Discover tab, which I hate going into that because normally it's just full of just trash bag stuff, like stuff I don't even care about. Or it came on my, like whenever I open up Chrome on my phone, it gives you like suggested like oh, reading yeah. things. So it's it, this came one or two ways. Um, so this is one... It's very interesting. Um, so this is this is from this where I'm getting this is from CNN. And um, so the headline is this: He said he's been on the run for 23 years. Um, U.S. Marshals say he may have been spotted at a Los Angeles Dodgers baseball game. Ah, oh, that stinks. <laughs> so uh, the U.S. Marshals Services is asking for public help in identifying the man that say uh, that says strongly resembles one of its most wanted fugitives who's been on the run for 23 years. Um, John Ruffo was convicted in the late 90s of a $350 million bank fraud scheme and sentenced to 17 and a half years in prison. Um, He was given bond but never showed up to serve his sentence. So it's been on the run since? He's been on the run since the late 90s. That's wild. Um, And then... About thirteen million dollars of that money was never recovered, which is this is really funny to me that I, you know, I found this one like early last week. Like, and here we are, and here we are, bank here we're talking about bank robbery. It it all connections. just connections. It all works together. Um, so the the baseball game that I was talking about, it actually happened back in August of twenty sixteen. So like oh, it's five okay. years, but still, I mean, this was like the last time that anyone has seen him um so of course you know he was um it goes on to say he was sitting it's like four rows behind home plate and wearing of course as you do at a dodgers game a blue shirt you can't sit behind home plate if you're on the run and especially because all of those games are if they're not nationally televised they're regionally televised so like there you're is, right there. You're right there. Uh, I mean, if you're going to, I mean, but, you know, going going a little bit later on, he talks about, like, this is, you know, kind of like what we talked about with with Steve for the, for the Loomis bank robbery. Like, this guy, he's, like, he's living it up. Like, he's, like, he's right. going to the fancy places. So, like, of course, you know, if you've got money, 
I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go sit behind home plate. I was going to ask, like, how was he caught? Because in my head, I'm like, I'm still getting nosebleed seats. Like, I'm going to make myself as in with the people as possible. No, this guy's like, home plate, I went right behind it. Well, okay. And, like, I can get that because I've obviously not at a major league baseball game, but, like, at that double a like we we got we sat behind home play and it's cool to be right there it's close. cool but like i don't know if i would i don't like i wouldn't go to the nosebleeds or the cheap seats or anything but i definitely don't think if i've been on the run for that long i don't think i would go like all right here we go you're not, right you're not trying to do any I, I mean at this point they don't do as much as like at football games but like they'll the kiss kiss cam you've got to like stay you know there's so many opportunities for you to end up on the big tron that you've literally got to be away from everybody or you're going to end up somebody's gonna catch you right so um so yeah so that video clip came out um from the game uh, yeah, yeah 23 years um so before that before, so before that 2016 possible sighting um uh he had not been seen since and this was confirmed 1998 at an wow. atm in new york which there's a there's a picture of that so since 1998 this guy has not been on a single camera just think about that I right know. now in in this world that we live in today literally everywhere you go maybe except at your house but heck there's i mean even like you've got a ring doorbell so like oh, even yeah. you know your neighbor's got a ring doorbell you won't be able to leave the house yeah so um he's also um he also a subject on the abc news podcast have you seen this man show apparently I haven't listened to that one, but I'm really tempted to go listen to that one when now. When was this article published? You know? Um, it was updated like like a week ago or oh, something. Oh, that's right. So I I don't know exactly how, when it was. Dang. Um, but so but yeah, so basically, so after his convict after after his convict kid, wow, yep. convict conviction, uh-huh. man, I'm having you problems today. <laughs> um. Uh, he was given a $10 million bond and ordered to report to a federal prison in New Jersey on November 9th, 1998 to begin his 210-month sentence. But, of course, he has not showed up. Um, so, of course, the next day an arrest warrant was issued. Um, U.S. Marshals found that on November the 9th, uh, that same day he was ordered to report, uh, he drove a rental car to the, to the long-term parking lot at JFK Airport. And it is, it's believed that he rented that car earlier in the day in Manhattan and withdrew money on the ATM, which it's the last time is the last time they saw him. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, this goes on and talks, I'm not going to go into all the details, but basically it kind of talks about what I was saying of, you know, he's, mean, yeah, he he's took- computer savvy and, you know, enjoys all the, the fancy stuff and, and whatnot. And like you, a, a allegedly you allegedly uh lactose intolerant he is Mm -hmm. listen if i'm stealing 12 million dollars i am cashing it all out and i'm first off i'm moving i hate the beach but i'm moving to the beach and i'm going to live in my little bungalow for the rest of my life and or at least until those 12 million dollars are up 
and then I'm living my best life. Like I'm not, not going to a Dodgers game. I'm staying on the beach. So he also, so when he was a businessman in New York, um, he they said that basically he he had a variety of international connections. Which See, number one, there, there you go. go. Um, they said that you know he's traveled to Aruba and he's shown interest in Italy. Ugh. So, um, but yeah, I I read that line, and he's been on the run since then, which is just mind blowing. Wild. To me. I mean, I mean, like they they showed, uh, you know, because they can they can do that whole deal now of um, what they look like, like yeah, yeah, the age progression or whatever it's called, but but they can do that and it's it's in there too, so we'll have that linked and. Uh, what I could do with twelve million dollars—that's all I think about in these cases. I'm and, like, listen. And the crazy thing is, let's see, it was, but yeah, twelve. I mean, I could not even imagine. Thir- yeah, so yeah, thirteen million dollars that was never recovered. So you know that money is in his pocket. It is not in his pocket because he switched out that money for other money. I mean, true. Laundering. Right. Ugh. So that's Stephen's crime. Stephen's corner. Crime of the week. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's a good episode. Here we are talking everything bank robbery for episode thirty-four. For a whopping thirty minutes, we we went back to back short pods, and now we're like, get us talking about money. That's <laughs> we'll right, be here forever. That's right. Um, so thank you again for listening. We've got social medias. We've got everything at Crimology Pod. We've got an email at crimologypod at gmail that you can send us crime suggestions if you have a crime of the week that maybe is going on in your town, something crazy. Yes, please let me know. <laughs> we can put on Steven's Corner. We will add it. Um <laughs> don't like that at all. <laughs> um but yeah. Thank you guys. Just thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and supporting for 34 episodes. So, like always, this is Sam. This is Steven. And this is Chronology.